All right. Episode two. Episode two. We'll see how this goes. Bad start. Um, so I have some notes that I took. You came unprepared, as always. Um, <laughs> kidding. Um, I do have some notes. Yeah, <laughs> it's ironic. For what this is about, that's ironic. <laughs> nah, that's normal. Um, so we have some stuff we want to get into, but we can start with just small talk. So how was your day? <laughs> small talk. It's important, you know. Yeah, my day was, <clears throat> it wasn't too bad. Yeah, I got. I was productive. That's good. School wise or just life wise? Pretty overall, like. Yeah, overall, um, I went to the gym in the morning. Nice. Came home, college stuff. Uploaded discussion board posts, <clears throat> the whole nine yards. Yikes. Yeah. Understandable though. It's fun. That's good. It's good. I was. Somewhat productive as well. Didn't do anything crazy, but got life in order a little bit, which is good. So, um, the general topic of this podcast is supposed to be friendship, um, specifically our friendship, and we want to talk a little bit about how we've harbored a good friendship over the course of the ventures we've had. So, whether it be trips that we went on or starting this business, previous businesses, things like that how we've managed it, and then on top of that, how are we going to continue to manage it? What's a way that, and this is productive for both, I think it's productive for both you guys and us, because it's not often we catch ourselves having these types of conversations that are as transparent and guided as this conversation ideally is, um, but also being able for you guys to see how we navigate our friendship and maybe how you guys can harbor friendships similar to ours um, with your own friends or family or however it be. So. Yeah. Um, I have it kind of split up into three main topics, or four actually, um, and I think these are four topics that have grounded our relationship. Pride, that's a, a big part of our relationship. Love, the verb, specifically the action love, not the feeling or whatever you want to call it. Um, commonality and truth. So these are, I think, big things that all of that, that have harbored our friendship and in their own unique way, not all of them are good, not all of them are bad, but um, in their own unique way. So uh, we can start with pride. This is one that's big for both of us. Um, I think our competitive nature has given us some struggles. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Quite a bit of them, to be honest. It's common. I would like to think it's common in male relationships, not just ours but most male relationships it, it's a lot of times you are competitive it's just how you are oh yeah and not necessarily even in an unhealthy way although i think it sometimes we've bridged that gap pretty quickly where it's, it goes from like we're holding each other accountable to like we're trying to compete and to compare at the same time which is big because competing doesn't mean you have to compare necessarily um well i don't know what are your thoughts on on that high and how we've navigated that through our relationship. Yeah. No, I think most of our struggles come from not even just competition, but pride in general as the underlying tone. Um, yeah. Just things like self-esteem or um, self-confidence in what we believe or 
uh, what we hold to be true, even if it's not even significant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like if, if anything has hurt our relationship at all or like given us any trouble throughout it, it's probably pride. Yeah, Which I feel like, I mean, mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis says pride is the root of all evil. And I mean, yeah, I think I think we grow through it, though. I, I feel like every time we do that, we come to we find our way back. Yeah, I think that's something we do pretty well. I, I would agree. I think there, there hasn't been a situation where our pride has actually hindered or ruined our relationship. Yeah, um, it's given. I mean, it's even it's it hasn't put like a an ultimate toll on our relationship. But there's been times where we've had to take breaks. Yeah, like been times where we'd had to, you know, back off a little bit, take time on our own. But I think that's the another important part about having a healthy relationship is being able to like step away. And that doesn't mean that you have this like giant moment where you're like, okay, we need to take a break. Like, yeah. We don't even outline that. We no. don't even say like, it's time for us to take this amount of time from each other. Like I think in a lot of romantic relationships that happens, people are like, we need two weeks and we need to say we're not boyfriend and girlfriend for these two weeks. And it's like, no, you just kind of understand when someone needs space and when you need your space. And I think if it's healthy that they'll feel it as well, as long as they have some social awareness, which I think we both have. Yeah. And in an intentional, good relationship, you'll know when to come back and you'll know when to start hanging out a lot. Like, re- you'll, you'll know when to re-spark it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I feel like that that's another thing that I feel like sometimes in relationships, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship, when people decide to implement some sort of break, it ends up being kind of one-sided. Yeah. And yeah. it just gives, I mean... You take two months off of someone that you're, you know, not really into anymore. You fell out of love, fell out of feeling. It's done. For sure. I, and I think the other thing is understanding when it's time to grow with the person and when it's time to grow without. So individuality is something that you need to have regardless of whether you're in a friendship or you're in a relationship or whatever. You, you need to have it always alone or together. You need to be your own individual. Yeah. But there's no reason why and both a friendship and a platonic friendship and romantic friendship um, or relationship, why you can't find your individuality in the relationship. So you can still figure out what you guys are both doing together, but also what you both are doing separately and that can happen in sort of a harmonious way where sometimes you can go together and say this is what we want to do as a group or as as a couple or whatever and then you can decide okay this is what i need to do as my own person these are my convictions this is what i need to do and they tend to work well together and when you decide to separate those two things when you say okay i need to when i'm with this person it's a group conviction and when i'm away from this person it's an individual conviction and they don't ever intermingle I think you create a lot of issues and I think that's when those breaks become permanent. That's when you have, when you step away from something and you realize that you did the entire time it was about the group conviction instead of your individual conviction and they never acted in a harmonious way. That's when things crumble and I think we've both had a pretty good hold on like our individual beliefs and then coming together to figure out how we're going to go into the world as a team Yeah. with our beliefs. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's very, it's tough, especially because when we start, yeah. when we start something and there's a found, there's always a foundation in things we start, like, mm-hmm. um, like for the, for the company there, we have a statement, 
-hmm. Like we believe in something and that is what is driving the company. Right. And we don't agree on everything. Of course. That's a, yeah. I mean. It's a given. Yeah, it's a given. Right. Right. So to be able to find that common ground and make that the focus point Mm -hmm. rather than just stumbling and arguing over, you know, the semantics that we don't agree on. Right. I think that's something that, I think that's something that we've been able to do. And I think that's what's given us the opportunity to have a strong friendship, even throughout a uh, quote unquote professional um, endeavor. Yeah. And I think especially when you start to involve business or anything that the average male takes pride in, we'll say it naturally becomes competitive. Oh, yeah. I, I'm i not even ashamed. Like, I'm a competitive person. Right. And I am, too. Maybe maybe to a lesser degree in some situations. Yeah. But Our type of competitive is different. Is different. Like, different. I, I like yeah. petty competitiveness. Like, I don't... My feelings don't get hurt when, when someone is trying to be competitive with me. Everything mm-hmm. can be a competition. I don't mind. I think yeah. that a lot of that just drives me. Mm-hmm. Whereas I... Some people aren't like mm-hmm. some people want to break from it. That's something I'm still getting used to. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> sure. it, it can be taxing. And I think, I mean, I'll lay out like a very simple example of, of when an unhealthy, and, and I do this too. In fact, I think I do this maybe even more so than you do. But I think that we feed into each other. It becomes this sort of constant feedback loop where I feed into this and then you feed back into it. We've tried to like one up each other the whole time. But like, let's say that, you come to me after a long day. We see each other for the first time in person. We talk about our day, which is pretty normal. We could do that with any friend. And you say, you know, oh my gosh, I had a busy day. I did X, Y, Z, all kinds of things. And then I say, oh man, me too. But I did X, Y, Z, B plus this. <laughs> yeah. and, and we have these little moments where we try to one up each other. Yeah. And the reality is that that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's stupid. I don't. Who, it's very who, stupid. Right. See, those, those are the kinds of things where I don't like the competition. Right. That no, that's a situation where it's like, okay, yeah, it's unnecessary. There's no point in one-upping each other. But the reality is, and I think most people out there can resonate with this situation because most friendships do function at least at one point or another in this way, where you're you just feel this need to like prove something, and it's not. And even... it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of ironic because I think the underlying thing is we want respect. When I tell you yeah. I did this, this, and this, and yeah. this, I want respect from you. Mm-hmm. I want him to think in the back of his mind, wow, Gabe did more than me this day. Dang, man. No, but in reality, you're just going to be pissed off at me because I'm flexing something that, that that's not worth flexing. Right. So it's a kind of ironic because you're, deser- you're demanding or you're, you're seeking respect and in reality, you're just pissing off your friend. Yeah. And I think even to some degree, you want to feel i mean respect certainly but you want them to understand where you're what you're going through and yet the other person yeah. immediately instead of taking that and being like you know it's it's almost like someone wants at least in my opinion when i say it i don't want i don't necessarily want respect from you although that's certainly is a contributing factor i want you to be proud of me as a yeah. friend yeah so and that's so real Right. Instead of us being proud of people, let's say that you were on a team, let's just say like a sports team, basketball team or something. And somebody shot crazy amounts of threes. They got like 60 percent from from three. 
That's crazy. Instead of you being like, oh man, I could probably do like 53 and taking it competitively and trying to compare. Instead, you're like, dang, I know somebody who is able to shoot 60% from there. That's the, the mindset that we have to have. Like, instead of when you come to me and explain your day, I'm like, instead of me not even being like, oh, he has more, he did more than me today. Oh, dang, I respect him for it. Instead being like, I have a friend who's capable of doing that much in a day. Yeah. That's the sort of, at least in a business relationship, that's the sort of encouragement. Yeah, it has to 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 be encouraging. And honestly, I do that. Mm -hmm. And you know this about me. We've talked about it. One of my biggest problems is not encouraging you. Mm-hmm. I encourage about you. Oh man, I'll <laughs> tell others. all my friends. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, all my friends. Owen, he's picked up his life. He is probably the busiest person I know. He is. He gets more done than the store manager. He does like whatever, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and just completely like, because I, I in reality I am really proud of you. Right. Like, and how far you've come. And vice versa. But it's just a matter of like, saying. I'm not good at. Yeah. Words of affirmation is not my love language, and it's not something I'm good at. At least to someone's face. <laughs> well, and to some extent, that's okay, right? Because, you know, I heard a quote that said, like, when everybody is telling you you're doing great and that you're you're moving forward and you feel like you're not, that's mm-hmm. the scariest place to be. Because either A, you have a bunch of people who are surrounding you who are telling you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. Or B, these people don't know you well enough to know where you actually are and they're not good friends. So either way, it's scary to be in. So I'd much rather have friends who are talking good about me behind my back, so to speak, than to me because it keeps me going, right? It keeps me wanting their approval because they don't give it to me so easily. (laughs) I mean, but in a real like psychological way, that's true. And then it helps me with other relationships that I don't even know I need help with. That's true because they look up to you more because I'm a friend talking great about you. Right. But I mean, that doesn't mean there's a time where I should tell you, tell you where you need to work on things for sure but there's also a time where i you need to get encouragement from me yeah because as much as it might help you with other relationships our relationship is still on the chopping block yeah all the time. when yeah. i'm not being kind to you right so yeah i think there's a good mix of like a true friend knows when to criticize mm-hmm. and 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 a criti- criticism doesn't always necessarily need to come every time you do something wrong and i would argue it needs to come like not often. Not often. Because it's it's got to be a very specific... It's got to be done in a very particular way yeah. that harbors, like, an actual change. Right. But, yeah. So, but, yeah, exactly. What I was saying was, like, a good friend needs to know when to criticize mm-hmm. and when to encourage. Yeah. Encouraging needs to come more. And like I talked about, like, we talked about this briefly in our um, first episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, just one of the biggest ways that you can criticize someone, mm-hmm. and, and it's not supposed to be this way, but when I... I feel like one of the biggest ways you can criticize someone or show them that they need to fix some things is by living the life that you want for them. Yeah, for sure. Being a light. Yeah. It's the same being the light on the hill. Mm -hmm. If I'm living my life and I'm getting a lot of things done and I'm waking up on early and, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. um, You're going to you're going to learn from that. I'm going to learn from you when you like when you do that. Yep. So definitely. I mean, leading by example is always going to be the most productive because people want people naturally envy so make them envy good things you know what i mean yeah but that kind of leads us into the next part which is love not the feeling but the action the verb yeah so through the moments where we have pride and i want people to know 
by no means are we like a perfect friendship. Obviously, we just describe situations where we've done some pretty imperfect things. Um, there are times where we walk away angry. Where we're just like, all right, you know what? I give up. I'm going home or whatever. We're done. Like, I just need time. Yeah. And the thing that continues to pull us back is our, our choice of loving each other. So yeah. beyond like we have, we can have monumental arguments, things that we're like realize foundational things that we realize we disagree on, which have happened. Um, but regardless of that, we choose to continue to love each other because that's what we both feel called to do. And it makes it easier when it's reciprocal. So when you choose to do it to me, it makes it a lot easier for me to do it to you. Oh, it's, I mean, and you guys have heard this, but you stop any, there's never a time where an apology won't stop making someone mad. I mean, you would have had to kill their mom or something like often. I mean, all it takes is the first step really Mm -hmm. oftentimes that is how to fix a relationship. Yeah. So when we both make that choice proactively, it makes it a lot easier for us to come back, humble ourselves. Obviously, we both have a relationship with God. So when we leave, we maybe me more so than you in the sense that I tend to ponder outside of the conversation rather than in it. I'm, I'm not a very like proactive change. It takes me like time after a conversation to go home, pray, think. And then I will be like, oh, maybe I was wrong here. Oh, maybe I was actually more right than I thought or whatever. And then ask Lord, like humble me. And then bring me to you so that I can actually apologize for whatever I did and vice versa. So we can both humble ourselves. But in that, it makes it much easier for us to like get back together the next time we hang out or whatever and be like, all right, I'm sorry. This is what I did wrong. And most of the time, we both did some things wrong. And then we just say it, drop it, move on. Instead of letting it like build up. Um, and that's super important. You, you need to have at least some level of transparency. Not... There is such thing as too much transparency, and I want to be clear about this because if you tell everybody, if you tell your partner or your friend or whoever everything that annoys you about them, it's going to end poorly, right? You, The other person doesn't need to know every single problem that they have. They probably already know it, and even if they don't, nobody's perfect. Try, trying to Stop trying to make them perfect. Yeah. But the big things... And you can come up with lists. There's great exercises out there. And I'm not going to, you know, you can write down 10 things. That you're like, these are things that genuinely make it difficult to, for me to hang out with this person. I'm going to make them aware of them. And in a way that's kind, you know, you're not going to be like, all right, I got a list of 10 things you should fix. But over time, you can bring up like, hey, you know, I don't particularly enjoy it when you do this. Something like that. There, there's good ways to do it. But, but coming out with a way that you can find those big things. And communicate them to the person in a, in a transparent way instead of letting them build so that once at one time, once all of it adds up, you just kind of spew it all out. And instead of spewing out the 10 things, you end up spewing out like the 50 that you didn't need to spew out. And it just ruins it all. And it makes it much harder to go back the next day and apologize and to start from scratch again or to kind of rehash everything. We've struggled with that before, obviously. We're both pretty good communicators, which has been a blessing for sure. We don't care about confrontation. Both of us are more than happy to have conversations. But remembering to be transparent, to not let something build this. Yeah, that's been probably the most recent. Yeah. Amongst our friendship, like, 
uh, yeah, I, we've let things build up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I mean, at least I have. I've like there's been, you know, tiny little things that are tiny, but, you know, 10, 20, they start to add up. Yeah. Once you get to 10, 20 of those tiny things it starts to become annoying. And you I mean, just nick it, nip it in the bud when it happens, when yep. you see it. And yeah. in a very respectful and open and kind way, because right. otherwise it's going to just lead to other problems. Yeah. And I think for me, I, I tend to address things quickly, but sometimes things that don't need to be addressed. So I never, I don't really have a buildup. I do sometimes, but not often because I tend to address them quickly. But there are things where, that I'll address like before where I'll come up with more than I needed to. I'll come at come at you for like something stupid where it's like that wasn't necessary. You didn't need to know that. It really wouldn't have mattered if I just let it sit for like 10 minutes. Um, Part of love too is, I mean, just putting up with it. Yeah, tolerance. Yeah, to- yeah. I mean, there's going to be certain things. Like if you're getting annoyed at how someone eats, deal with it. Right. Like there's just a certain, yeah. We're talking about like fundamental issues that that genuinely make it difficult to hang out. We're yeah. not talking about um, the way you blow your no- nose is kind of intrusive. Like it, it's not like that. Um, and, and if that is like a, a deal breaker for you, well, that's weird. But also fine, but understand the out not outlandishness, but understand how nitpicky that is Yeah. and figure out a way to deliver that where it's not like, damn, yeah. like somebody being like, I don't like the way this person breathes. It's like, you're, nobody's changing the way they breathe for anybody. Yeah. I don't care how close you are. Yeah. So you either figure out how to tolerate it or you address, you figure out some sort of solution. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And a lot, I think the former is how most people should deal with that though. Agreed. I think that we need to humble ourselves a little bit and not. Yeah not need someone to eat a certain way and breathe a certain way, etc. But another part of that, um, I will say, is those like things like, wow, the way you eat is annoying. It A lot of those just, if you have some pre-existing anger with someone, mm-hmm. things like that are going to be annoying, a lot more annoying. But that's that build-up that, that, build that we yeah. were talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's tolerance among the things that you can be tolerant of so like under and this is why it's so important especially in your fundamental friendships the ones that you've created as you've grown um specifically from like middle school into high school even into college where you don't quite understand what your core beliefs are yet you're figuring them out so you don't quite know what you're tolerant of and what you're not tolerant of and it's important to establish those individually. I mean, of course, your friends should have impact on it. And they will, no doubt. I don't think that you can get around that anyway. Their influence is on you, especially the close friends. But figuring out those core beliefs so you can understand what you can be tolerant of and what are deal breakers, what you can't be tolerant of. Yeah. So, for example, if you were to blaspheme God, like I would have a hard time tolerating that, especially if it was continuous. I'd be like, I, I can't be around people like this. It's a, That's a core belief of mine. That's a fundamental thing that we disagree on. It's a situation where we, we may have to distance. Those are core beliefs that I've founded, and you have to figure those out for yourself. And oftentimes, writing them out, laying them out in a very structured way can be really, really important. But, but that's kind of what I was talking about before of individuality. You need to understand what you believe, not what your friend believes, therefore... This is how I think when I'm around him. Yeah. So many times people have faces, right? They be, around this friend, they're more secular. Around this friend, they pretend to be more 
you know, holy and more godly around this person. They pretend to be more professional. And the reality is the goal is to make all of your friends somewhat unified and to make yourself consistent across all of them. And I think a lot of people struggle with that, the the faces and the, the imposter syndrome that you often feel in this rat race of the world. Um, and I think that's something we both have been able to do individually because we've had other influences that are also helpful that have made it easier for us to go to each other with these new ideas and to bounce them back off of each other so that I don't feel like you're, I'm sacrificing my beliefs to be with you, or friends with you, and you don't sacrifice your beliefs to be friends with me. Yeah. And that's super important because the moment you start doing that, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. Um, and that I, sometimes I sacrifice bringing up certain things with some of my friends. Of course, yeah. But, and yeah, never sacrifice your beliefs. And another thing is, those friends I can't have as close of a relationship with. Uh, naturally, right. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, we are called to be uh, peacemakers of God, right? We're supposed to be the, the peacemakers of earth. Um, and so when you have to understand the, when you ought to argue your side, when you should defend your faith and when you're defending and when you're not, when you're attacking. Because I think oftentimes uh, Christians will, and this is obviously a generalization, but Christians will, they won't attack, but they'll set up a, a structure of an argument so that they are attacked so that they can claim defense, if that makes sense, which in the end is just attacking. You're just doing it in a manipulative way. That happens all the time. And I've seen it happen with friends and family. And it's just like, you knew what you were doing. I do it. I've done it all the time. I set them up to give me an answer so that I have to defend what I believe so that then I can attack what they believe. Yeah. But the reality is that's not going to do anything. It doesn't harbor any fruitful relationships or uh, conversations. Um, yeah. yeah. When you take a passive approach and you actually live like a child of God, you'll have all the opportunities to evangelize. So if your intention yeah. is pure, then you'll you'll God will grant you the, the platform you need to um, spread the gospel. But if yeah, if your intention is to you know hit on someone else's belief, it's just going to create problems. Trust me, I know <laughs> it, it has in my life. It will undoubtedly, and I think yeah, I think if you truly walk through life having a defensive position where you only protest when you are attacked, it means more too. They're like, I mean, no, no, you know the guy who's quiet in a room? Just take a, a basic example. Once you hear him actually speak up in a way that's like real and stern, it means way more than the guy who's yapping in the corner who also decides to speak up in a stern way. They may be equally as passionate, but because he chose to speak less, his holds more weight. It's the same principle of evangelizing. If you choose to talk about it a little less, to not shove it down people's throat as much, when you're prompted and you're passionate, you'll have a way better platform to actually show what you think and oh yeah, and persuade. Oh yeah, a couple words from a man like that is going to mean a lot more to the average person than someone that just goes and goes and goes. Right. Absolutely, yeah. And that, to some degree, brings us into the next one, which is commonality. Um, this is an interesting one. I believe there's a C.S. Lewis quote, I could be wrong, where it talks about the start of a good friendship is commonality. 
Mm-hmm. And then yeah. from that comes um, a, a bond, usually created through rough times. And that's what actually ignites the friendship into a true, real, godly friendship. Um, but for us, the story was a little bit different. We didn't have commonality. Not a lot of it. Mm. Okay. I, I'll disagree. I disagree with that. Okay, go for it. So I think that the very, very beginning of our friendship, we lacked commonality. That's but, what I'm talking. But we weren't friends, really. Like I'm gonna okay. be honest, like hanging out does not automatically make us friends. Like, right. That's true. it was very superficial. Yeah. Like I would come. I mean, this we were young too, so I would come after yeah. co-op and we'd jump on the trampoline and hit each other with swords, and that was the extent of our friendship. Childish stuff. Yeah. Later on, it started on commonality. Hundred percent start on. We both had. Uh, <laughs> we both had like some girl issues and mm. and that is when we that's when we had longer deeper conversations that's when our our friendship started to bloom in my opinion uh, okay so from that perspective i can agree with you i mean more in the sense of like secular commonality in the sense like hobbies like a lot of friendships start with like oh you like basketball i like basketball let's hang out and play basketball and then it blooms from that we didn't have that I mean, talking was our hobby. It was, but that's also like... It, but, but my, my point is, like, the reason we kept on h- hanging out was because of what we talked about. Right. But then, later on, you changed. I did, You yeah. developed into... You honestly developed into my interests a little bit, to yeah. an extent. Like, like you, start, you put, picked up running, which mm-hmm. was like... I mean, if you knew this kid back in the day, that's like... You would have laughed. I mean, a lot of people did. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, it happened. <laughs> yeah. I did. Yeah. So you picked up running. Uh-huh. Then you decided to join the basketball team. Right. And then we had a lot of same interests. Yeah. We're playing tennis after this. <laughs> yeah. But so I I suppose I should have clarified a little bit more. Um, I sp- Let me give an example because this is going to illustrate what I'm trying to say the best. I remember vividly you calling me and asking me to come over and hang out. Mm-hmm. And you were like, we just want to hang out outside and do some activities. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, and that was my yeah. fat butt, lazy, <laughs> never touched grass self was like, no, I don't. What the heck? Making sure it's still recording. Sorry. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to sit in my room and I want to play video games and watch YouTube and do all kinds of other crap. I don't want to, I don't want to go out there and play, which we were kids. Um, we were younger. We weren't too young. But I mean, we were younger. Younger. so we used to hang out and a lot of it was inside. Like, yeah, pro- gaming, essentially. That was yeah. like the beginning. So the point of me saying this was like, the, those kinds of sacrifices or those kinds of commonalities we didn't have. Yeah. So like our hobbies essentially were almost polar opposites. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that is true. We had... I, I was outdoor guy. My parents never gave me a console and you were a gamer. I, yeah, I was just like, like I said, don't touch grass. That was, was like allergic. So in the beginning of our friendship, you had to sacrifice a lot. Uh, like quite a bit because we would hang out outside, but the general focus of a lot of our hangouts, if you will, were video games, that sort of thing. Yeah, but the tides turned. They did, but that's two things. First was maturity, right? I started to learn, like, man, if I want to 
continue to harbor this relationship, I also should sacrifice. I can't not sacrifice. I have to, I have to give as well, right? Um, so I started to. I started to do things that I didn't want to do, and then actually began to love the things, um, like running, like basketball, like those things I used to hate with a passion. And now I like I love doing them. I'm not particularly good at them, but they're still enjoyable to me. Dude, um, I mean, I, ju- I actually can I can not vividly, but vaguely remember like you calling me and being like, "Yo, you want to come over and play basketball with me and Eli?" Eli is his brother. Yeah. And I was like, "What? Wait, come again?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and I mean, so that I mean, there was that was nothing but sacrifice at least the first couple times. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, you started picking it up and yeah. Now, I mean, now most of our interests are pretty common. Right. But there were, and luckily that that's just like the beauty of growing into somebody. That's not always the case. Sometimes you go away from somebody. And in some areas we've grown apart, like some interests have varied and things like that. Luckily we've overall probably grown more into each other than out. Um, but that commonality, that's a part of relationships that people don't quite grasp, which is especially like I was saying in these younger relationships when you're still figuring out your core beliefs you need to either find commonality and both mutually understand like hey we both enjoy doing this this is probably should be the focus of most of our hangouts because we both get something out of it or understand that both of you are willing to sacrifice roughly 50 50 just which is just natural right you're gonna things are gonna feel unfair when they're not roughly 50 50 um on things that we don't want to do so if you want to go do something i don't want to do i will sacrifice but understand that in turn you owe me right and this is this shouldn't be laid out like this like as a, as a friendship this is just like known you don't need no, to say yeah. these things i mean hopefully. okay my, my personal belief that is that you both should just constantly be giving be able right. be able to sacrifice for the other person and 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 essentially like if i if i'm constantly giving to you mm-hmm. and i'm constantly sacrificing myself to you and you're not you know you're not reciprocating that right. it's probably not a worth it friendship and you'll i think you'll naturally drift away as well yeah i don't think it'll have to be proactive like all right all. i'm done yeah you're just gonna get tired of doing something you don't want to do every time you hang out with this person right and eventually like but for a friendship like we were blessed to have when he sacrificed eventually with the table tables turned and we did something that he wanted to do etc and i think that yeah yeah and that's helped a lot mm-hmm. for sure and i think that's those are some of the most undervalued things in a friendship is those small sacrifices of doing activities that you don't find meaning in i think that you don't quite realize how much it means to the other person even if it's, I mean, we had a situation where we went, we played a, a video game at a friend's house or something, and we both didn't see the point in it at all. Um, oh my gosh. And and we could have handled more maturely because the entire time we were both like, this is beyond pointless because the way that our life direction has gone is we have lost a little bit of sight in the, in the point of video games, right? I, to me, I just don't understand the return on investment there. It's, I've lost connection with that and you've never quite had it you've always kind of been like i don't understand why i would spend time on this um so going to this friend's house and spending you know however many hours we did 
sitting on a computer was difficult for the both of us. But neither of us will know and may ever know. We, we may not ever know um, how much that meant to that friend. Yeah, that's something that I... Yeah, I think that's something that I failed to do too. Like, I... We, we needed to recognize that we were doing this for him mm-hmm. and it was not in our self-interest. And I think we got caught up enough in ourselves to the point where we, our mentality was, I'm not gaining anything out of this. I think video games are, you know, immature or whatever. Yeah. To the point where we, <clears throat> to an extent, we ruined it for him. Yeah, to an extent, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the logical side of us may have been valid and correct like we may have been right um but that's not the point i mean just from a practical or like a yeah reasonable perspective we were wrong in the sense that it was valuable to to cultivate our friendship with him right and if it's valuable there that it's all that you need and so i mean how many things do we do like on a daily basis for friends or for your wife or for, for you know your girlfriend that aren't really necessary, are not benefiting you, but are benefiting them. Anytime you get someone a gift, it's the same thing. Right. It's just quality time rather than gifts. And how often you get those opportunities? Because they don't come very often, no. especially as you get older, you lose those opportunities. And so when they come up, you have to strike because you don't get a lot of them. Um, so I think that's something that's undervalued. I think that people need to understand that sacrifices is, is the most important part. It doesn't matter if you are giving them something in the sense of like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm imparting wisdom onto you or I'm helping you in your life journey or you're getting more fit because you're my friend. All that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme. No. What matters is that you both feel like there's a reciprocal sacrifice in the relationship. And that's the love aspect. Well, I am yeah. so adamant about the word love and how it is not and should not be tied to intimacy or romantic or like feeling. I mean, it can yeah. be, but it is an action verb. Yeah. To love someone is to do something for them. It is an action. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's encouraging them, or whether any of the five love languages, they're called love languages for a reason, and it's all a proactive all actions, thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, I you know I think that the last part, and this is probably the most important part of our entire friendship, the thing that's kept us friends for the longest. Because I've had friends where we've had all of the other things. We've had love. We've had commonality, um, we've had our struggles, we've, we've created bonds, uh, but we didn't have this last piece. And this, So that's why this piece I think is the most important and it'll probably harbor the longest and most fruitful relationships you have, and that's truth. Um, I want to read specifically a verse before we get into it, but um, it's Proverbs 18.24. Uh, this is the NKGV, so, you know, different translations will say different things, actually quite, quite different. Um, and translations I found but it says a man who has friends must himself be friendly so if if somebody has many friends they have to be friendly right but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother so that is how I would describe our friendship probably is is less than a friendship and more like a, a brotherhood which is Ideally, all of your friendships, but you have to understand that not everybody, right? But there is a friend. It doesn't say there are friends. Mm-hmm. Specifically says there is a friend. Yeah. Because you can't have that bond with everybody. You just can't. It takes too much time, effort. Um, 
who sticks closer than a brother. So truth obviously is both our journey towards the Lord. Um, and I guess we sh- I want to preface this a little bit with um, our denominations, because I think this was a big part of our friendship and how we've both formed closer to the Lord in the past few years. Specifically, I want to say the past three years, but in large part, our whole friendship. So um, you are Coptic Orthodox since mm-hmm. birth. You've always been a Coptic Orthodox. Mm-hmm. Um, of, of course, you've grown closer to loving it and understanding it more and oh, being yeah. more passionate, obviously. Um, I was Protestant at birth. Uh, I, I really couldn't tell you specifically like, whether it was Baptist or I, I couldn't tell you the specific denomination of Protestantism, but I was Protestant. I would say like your parents are pretty Southern Baptist. Probably, but I know we also uh, hop churches and they weren't all the same type. So we were pretty like non-denominational, like pretty much the standard non-denominational family. Mm -hmm. Um, And probably towards the past 10, almost 10 years, uh, we'll say eight to 10 years, I haven't attended a church regularly um, for many reasons, but I haven't. So when we had started becoming friends... My foundation was, it existed, but it wasn't strong. And it was a Protestant non-denominational foundation, um, which was undoubtedly a point of contention for the both of us. Um, You were passionate about what you believed. And I'm just passionate about being passionate. (laughs) Like, I'm just, like, if I believe it, if someone told me it, I defend it to the fullest degree, whether I actually believe it or not. That's just how I am. Oh, yeah, I know. There's been, I have so many instances of that. Oh, dude, because I would I would be arguing with some Protestant friend of mine. That, yeah, there was a time where we us we went we went on a like a little boys trip with a couple other guys, mm-hmm. and I was arguing with these two brothers about it was a Protestant argument. Mm-hmm. I was like, it must have been on like baptism or something. Mm-hmm. And out of nowhere, you just start arguing my position. I'm like, hold on, you're not even. And this was early before I even right. we had talked about it a little bit, but most of our conversations. Like you had never really indicated that you aligned with the Orthodox faith, right? Because even our even our faith arguments were still in opposition. Yeah, we would argue. I would still argue the opposite side. Right. And then when you argued, you know, our two friends, it was in he was arguing my side. I looked at him like, "That's right." <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, I think that was always a struggle of mine. Was like letting my personal pride down enough to say that maybe I don't have the answer. And maybe he's younger than me. Maybe someone who is younger than me does have the answer. And maybe he has things that I don't know. And maybe I ought to learn. Um, and that, believe me, that was a long journey. Was not easy. And took a lot of humbling from God. God had to humble me for sure. Um, but eventually I'm at the point where now I would consider myself Orthodox more so than any other denomination. Um, maybe not quite to the extent he is. I'm still on my journey. And you are too, you know, I don't yeah. think the journey ever ends, it never ends yeah. but, um, I feel more comfortable in that truth than in the other truth, right? I feel more comfortable that that is the truth. So with that being said, the types of conversations we'd have on baptism, on, you know, praying for the intercessions of saints on basically all of the points of contention that Protestants would have the Orthodox faith or the Catholic faith, because they're similar in ways, not all. But they're similar in some ways that a lot of the points of contention can be shared. Um, 
yeah, I think that that is those situations are what a had us gain the most respect for each other after walking away from that and b gave us both the desire to come back to those conversations. Oh yeah, I because those conversations would end in an increase of knowledge on both ends. Mm-hmm. They would never end. It, it wasn't a pride thing. Though, yeah, those, it, it was, yeah, it, it, we were seeking truth genuinely. Mm-hmm. That's not something I could do with any of my other friends. Right. That's not something that most boys are interested in. Right. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that I think that, yeah, without a doubt, that gave me the most personal respect for you. Those conversations. Yeah. And, okay. and vice versa. And I think it also... Um, because credit to the Holy Spirit, it gave it, it created a craving for them, where our conversations would gravitate towards towards faith and spirituality right. and, and the church and dogma and yeah all of it theology yeah. anything that we could grasp at to gain more knowledge. I think that we both craved it, and that that became the center point of our friendship, which. Yeah. As all friendships, it really should be. Like, I mean, when we say that, when people say that God should be the center of your friendship, I think a lot of people think of it as, hi, nice to meet you. Do you believe in God? I do, yeah. You believe Jesus Christ? Jesus, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, That's now the center of our friendship. Now let's throw that to the side. Forget that we ever had this conversation. And go to a party. And just hang out. Yeah. (laughs) That's not what that is. That's not having God at the center of your friendship. Having God at the center of your friendship is ideally actively pursuing him right and and ideally i will say the majority something around like 70 percent of your conversations should lead back to some sort of faith-based conversation i mean to have god as the center of your life everything is tied to god and a lot of people say that and a lot of people are like yeah everything is tied to god whatever and it's like it's really taken for granted these days but in reality and everything you do god should be the background of it yeah and everything that you do and that's really, it's really difficult, it's, but it's doable because it's, I've yeah. grown so much in that regard. Like so many things that I do every day lead back to God. Like mm-hmm. I'll be struggling with money or school or something of that sort. And my, my first thoughts are to kneel before God and pray. Mm-hmm. That's just something that, I don't know, it's, it's hard to articulate, but it's doable and no one really sees it as such. Mm-hmm. But having God as the center of your relationship is two friends actively pursuing God in their conversations, in their actions, in the way that they live. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think if you look at, as for another example, if you were to look at the grind, you know, the male dream grind lifestyle, be like, get up, get up at 5 a.m., go to the gym, go home, start your business, start a second business, get in the booth, <laughs> record music, go on your six mile run, like... Like the, just like, wow, this person's doing all these things. The person didn't wake up and do all of those things. Like you can't do it. Like you can't wake up and say like, I'm going to run a marathon. No, you wake up and you set a goal and then you slowly work towards that goal. It, what is the saying? It takes seven days to build a habit, right? And that's, you know, it, probably longer. Um, but it's the same principle with those kinds of conversations. If you want to make God genuinely the centerpiece of your relationships whether it be a friendship or a romantic relationship you have to have those conversations and you have to have them often enough to the point where they feel habitual and you come back craving them which i believe is is in no small part due to the holy spirit right because when you talk about god and when it's fruitful when it comes from a place of wanting to know more 
um, you do want it again. Why not? You know what I mean? That, yeah. And that, that, at least that's how I felt. I always was like, man, how can I get this conversation back to the conversation we had like the other night? How can we get right back there? Yeah. Because it was great and you never want it to end, but eventually, you know, the topic runs dry and you're both tired. <laughs> eventually <laughs> conversations end. So the goal is like, how can we get it there again? How can we get to that point again? And um, but that's part of, I mean, that the topic never runs dry. The topic, ultimately the topic right. never runs dry. Yeah. I, I, I think that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Speci- specifically the topic of God. I mean, because yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that we've come to like a solid ground on. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that we could objectively agree on now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we just keep on going. And the argument, I mean, our conversations continue. It's still mm-hmm. always about, we always are having theological conversations and, and conversation, conversation, wow, conversations Sorry. about how we should live our life, etc. Yeah, the, I mean, that is the key premise to why we've had, what, like an eight-year relationship um, and with no end in sight because the, as we continue to have these fruitful conversations, they again leave us hungering for them more and we keep coming back and if both of us are in pursuit of truth in the relationship and outside of the relationship we'll come together with new information talk about it bounce it off of each other gain something from that go away research more information bounce it off of other people and then it's just this constant loop of ideally getting closer to the truth yeah um which we've yeah we've we've pretty much constantly pursued um at least in the last six years probably more so the last three but at least in the last six years we've definitely had that as one of the largest points or of our friendship one of the biggest pieces of it yeah more more so in the last three i'd say yeah definitely because the last seriously. six years like, the evolution of our friendship what i i think it just started on having a serious conversation yeah like it started with having a serious conversation mm-hmm. and then the serious conversations became more serious yeah like, more intellectual yeah more, yeah more intellectual more important like the most significant thing that you can have a conversation about is our relationship with christ of course yeah but it, but it just i mean yeah it was sad to see like how many friends can't even do a serious conversation on on petty things like how, mm-hmm. how they're dealing it with their parents at home yeah but yeah we we i think that's that is what sparked our friendship for sure the I, ability yeah. to have a conversation yeah that that's definitely what what sparked the meaningful one. The yeah. One that the one that Christ I would continue. The one that Christ kept us continue. like you were talking about. The one that kept us wanting more, yeah. wanting to come back. Right. I mean, we would talk about like crushes, and even those topics would run dry, and we wish that of they course. hadn't. Yeah. Like, because yeah, because that's just how it works. Yeah. If it's if it's not God, it's gonna run dry. Yeah. I mean, relationship. I mean, that's intimacy when mm-hmm. you get to know someone on a deeper level having these deeper conversations and that's something that we desire we crave for that kind of relationship a, a mentor of mine always says the only thing that you're going to take to heaven is relationship mm-hmm. and it's not a relationship where you don't i mean not a superficial one you're not going to take superficial relationships to heaven right yes something like uh i believe i, I hate to misquote this so take this with a grain of salt but it was it was something like 80 percent Psychologists found that 80% of people's problems were solved just by talking it out with somebody. So not by getting advice from an approved psychologist, from a professional, but instead just 
being a wall that can show that you're listening, that they can talk to. That that would solve 80% of their problems. And we're talking like real problems. We're not talking like, I'm sad, like, like genuine, like real problems that a lot of people had 80% of them were solved that way. So don't undervalue that importance of a friendship that you can just go to no matter what. And um, something I do want to end off on is, is the last verse um, that also focuses on friendship. You, Everyone's heard it. It's stereotypical, but I want to leave you with it. Proverbs 27, 17, mm-hmm. iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Um, if you're friends... And, and I want to make clear about this verse. One man doesn't isn't gender, yeah, specific. Yeah. It's just, no. uh, yeah, most people. There's language reasons why it's man. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. If your friend isn't strengthening you, then you have to ask two questions, right? What what is the friendship, and what do you want to get out of it? Because sometimes you have friends that you don't necessarily need to. They can just be surface level friendships. They can be superficial. I wouldn't consider them friendships at that point. I would just consider them acquaintances, but that's whatever definition. So figure out what you want out of the friendship and then move from that. So if you realize like, oh man, I want this friendship to be more, go to the person and talk about it. But sitting silently will never change anything. Yeah. Right. How, how can you expect change when you don't change anything in your life? Uh, one thing I will say in opposition to that, not in opposition, but kind of an adding point, mm-hmm. is you might not, iron sharpens iron, but one but one piece of iron, like for example, if you made something out of iron and you're trying to sharpen it, mm-hmm. one is to sharpen the other. You're not trying to sharpen the other. Like yeah. one piece of iron is sharpening the other. So not every friendship is going to have mutual growth at the beginning. Of course. Sometimes you have to cultivate that friendship by just being the giver and not the receiver. Yeah. I mean, there's mentorship as well, right? You have to, but, exactly. you, but you have to understand where that is. Like you have to understand yeah. that like, Oh, this is a mentorship. This is not. Uh... And I think that a lot of people, when you're the giver, you know what your role is. Yeah. And, but, but so there's been circumstances. One of my friends actually for the longest time, I, I did feel like I wasn't gaining anything out of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of, he was, yeah, it, it was tough. Mm-hmm. But I, I see him as a friend now that I can glean a lot from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that I think it took a lot of patience. And I didn't even know I was doing it. I'm not, I'm really I'm a pretty loyal friend. I'm not really I don't really cut people out of my life, um, even if it's not like the best friendship. Mm-hmm. But over time, like it eventually became a great friendship um, because I think I honestly, in my opinion, I think that our friendship sharpened him a lot and it didn't like make me dull right but it, i think mm-hmm. it sharpened him a lot and now he's someone that i learn a lot from mm-hmm. so yeah i don't, don't it doesn't have to be mutually beneficial no right all yeah. the time right yeah i mean the rule that that 50 50 rule is a rule that should be looked at at a on a wide Ultimately, scale 50 50 yeah. yeah there's gonna be 70 30 sometimes right. it's gonna be 60 40 sometimes but overall you both want to get something out of it get exactly. an even amount yeah so yeah just you know be aware and then be honest with your friends just try try if you want to harbor a friendship that is valuable that lasts a long time 
those four things are the are going to be the biggest points of contention in in my opinion pride love commonality and truth those are going to be the biggest things you will all you'll have to work together to get through and i think that applies to i think it's pretty universal yeah i i, I think so um, i think that more i would say more so for men yeah i would agree this is um, yeah but, like specifically yeah. the pride i feel like women don't struggle with that as much yeah it's definitely no it's definitely a problem 100 percent. and i think it's different type it's a different of kind pride. of pride yeah 100 percent. they know it's honestly this the same it just might not be um applied the same right but if you can figure out how to work through those three things you can be friends with somebody forever if, if you're both committed to navigating those four things in my opinion yeah there's no limits to the friendship so yeah i hope that that helps some people out there it certainly is good for us to talk about these things um and helpful for us to navigate as we are business partners because all of these are elevated all of the tension and stress yeah, yeah. is elevated yeah, absolutely um yeah with i mean there's a reason people say don't start a business with your friend yeah yeah it's it makes things difficult but then again a lot of it just comes down to are you willing to humble yourself yeah and <laughs> it's really easy to get ego when you become a a businessman or when you try oh, to yeah. pursue these things it's yeah wrestling with ego can be difficult but yeah. um yeah in short let us know if there's any other topics you guys want us to talk about of course and then you know use the comment section let us know what you know do you disagree with these is there anything you would add is there anything you would take away um that's always open and it's a really great place for us to gain some understanding because we're not all knowing we're just navigating and this has been our experience as we've navigated through our friendship so continue to to tell us and let you know let us know what you guys think yeah all and around then, like uh, yeah 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 definitely in any sense not not n- not just necessarily of the four topics or whatever um but yeah let us know and um stay tuned because these are coming out a little bit more often than we had originally expected which we're super happy to do um but ideally we're going to touch on topics that may not have anything to do with the business like this one um So stay tuned if you're interested. We appreciate you guys listening, whether you're watching the video or listening. Um, And uh, stay tuned for any new ones coming out.